Welcome to Employee to Lawyer, the employment law podcast presented by NILA Illinois, the podcast that discusses the policies, regulations, and laws that affect our workplaces, presented primarily from the perspective of employee or plaintiff-side lawyers. We are your hosts, Ahmed Bindra and Max Barrett. We are members of the Board of Directors of NILA Illinois, the Illinois chapter of the National Employment Lawyers Association, a nonprofit collection of attorneys who empower workplace rights. And welcome back to Employee to Lawyer. We are your hosts. I'm Max Barrick. And I'm Amit Bindra. And today we're very lucky to be speaking with Alexandra Sosa. She is the executive director for FLAP, which is the Farm Worker and Landscaper Advocacy Project. During her 20 years of leadership, FLAP has filed more than 200 cases on behalf of workers to recover nearly $5 million in damages and unpaid wages for those folks. In 2020, Governor J.B. Pritzker and the Illinois Department of Public Health publicly recognized Alexandra as a COVID-19 ambassador for her efforts to share critical information and resources. Alexandra, welcome. Thank you very much for having me today. So let's jump right in. What is FLAP? Well, the Farm Worker and Landscaper Advocacy Project, 501c3 non-for-profit organization, and our mission is to improve working conditions and opportunities for very low-income workers in Illinois who are working in the industries of farm workers, landscapers, nursery workers, greenhouse workers, restaurant workers, snow removal workers, and meat and cutting factory workers. We focus in this specific group of people because it's the most abused segment in terms of employment law in the United States and in Illinois specifically. The organization accomplished that mission doing a community outreach and education litigation, community legal education, uh, partner with other organizations to fight human labor trafficking, and uh, partner especially with the Mexican consulate to encourage the parents who have kids who were born in the United States to get the dual citizenship. We also provide uh, financial assistance to that specific group of people. In terms of the outreach that FLAP does, what is the important part? I guess, why is outreach important and education? Why are those important parts to FLAP? And is it all right if we call it FLAP, just a, it's a shorter? <laughs> yes, of course, Max. Okay. Um, it's, it's, it's very important because everything starts with education. We discovered over the, over the years, this is a 20 almost 23 years organization. Our our uh, 23rd year will be next week. And over the years, we discovered that people don't stand up and people don't fight for their rights is because they don't know they have those rights. They were told all the time that they are undocumented and because they are undocumented, they are invisible in the community. They do not have any rights. So it's our job. It's our mission to educate those guys and to let them know that like, you do have rights regardless of your immigration status. So that's why community outreach and education and particularly community legal education plays a very, very important role to educate the community and to encourage them and to let them know what resources they have in the community for free. Uh, resources coming from organizations like FLAP. What are some of the conditions that the workers you help are dealing with? I know you mentioned earlier they face some of the hardest conditions of workers in America? Yes. Over, over the years, we have seen uh, a little change in that landscape. When I joined the organization almost 21 years ago, uh, the most uh, common violation and that you will see just in the pay stack will be no payment for overtime. Like It will be a straightforward, 70 hours, a week of work and then payment as a straight time, straight time. Now, 
over the years, those violations have been changed a little bit. And then the most uh, common violations that we see is a lot of work, injuries at work. So the typical worker who is working and gets injury because um, any reason, and they are told that because they are undocumented, they are no deserving any medical attention and the company fires them. A lot of discrimination because age or gender or sexual preferences of so the typical woman who is pregnant and then the next day is fired from work because she's pregnant. And then we also see no payment for, for wages, like minimum wage, no payment for overtime, and a lot of illegal deductions for uniform, uniform deductions. So when the workers are wearing the company uniforms with the law of the company, they are required to buy the, the uniforms from the company, to rent the uniforms from the company, or to pay the company, let's say, five to ten dollars a week for cleaning the uniform when they the company doesn't clean the uniforms. It's the workers who cleans at work. So that doesn't make any sense. So those are the most common violations. Uh, this year we are also focusing on those who are doing check-in and check-out the companies uh, with the fingerprints. And uh, it, it has to have some requirements that the companies are not meeting. So you're, I think you're talking about BIPA at that point, the, the biometric finger scans and not giving uh, those workers their the notice that they're taking their biometric uh, identifiers. Correct. Exactly, Matt. Has this... Have these issues, do you feel like, been worse during COVID for this population? Because we've talked, I mean, it feels like COVID has been present in every episode we've done on it. We haven't really, you know, we've been at this this show close to a year now, and I don't know that we've had a single episode where COVID doesn't at least at some point enter into it. So, and I think here it's going to be a lot worse than most of our other episodes in terms of the impact. Right. Yes. So for the organization, when when we are talking about uh, March 2020, when COVID starts and um, we start discovering, wow, we have this problem around that we weren't familiar with. And uh, the organization went from having 12 phone calls per day to having 100 phone calls per day. And then people calling desperate because not only COVID and affecting their health, but they were fired from work because the, 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 the whole system was shut down and then not getting paid for the payments and no, no getting paid, for example, for the last week of work because now the company is not running, so we do not have money to pay you. And then those uh, workers that we are focusing on, on helping, are essential workers. So they are in the field. They make possible that we have food on our tables. They are the ones who clean the snow outside. They are the ones who do the landscaping. They are the ones who produce the food in the factories. So those workers are more exposed to COVID-19 than we are because they are not able to work from home. And of course, with the COVID-19, they weren't able to pay for rent and utilities and, and to have food on their tables to bring to their kids. So the organization had to amend the mission of the organization and incorporate financial assistance as a permanent part of the organization mission. And thanks to different grants that we have 
120 in 2020 and 88 in 2021, we were able to provide and meet those needs to many of the workers. So we all who are citizens and residents, we got the stimulus check, but they didn't get it. So thanks to organizations like FLAP and in partnership with other organizations, we were able to provide some of that stimulus check money to people who were undocumented and essential workers. So you 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 answered my I think you answered at least part of my next question, which was going to be what sort of financial assistance is FLAP able to provide workers um, who qualify? Yeah, besides that, the financial assistance for rent and utilities and mortgage and also for food basic needs. We also discovered that the kids are behind in school. They are not. They are not doing their homework. So speaking with a lady, I was like, Maria, what's going on? Why Juan is behind in school? Why Why Juan is not doing the homework? And then she was telling me like, Alexandra, the libraries have been closed. I cannot take my kids to the libraries to do the homework. And it's when we discovered that those kids, they do not have laptops at home to do the homework. There are some schools who provide laptops, but there are other schools that they don't. So we went around, approached individual donors and also foundations to provide us with laptops to give to the kids. And then they can continue doing their, their homeworks. So, so FLAP provides the awareness for workers to, so they understand their rights. They provide financial assistance. And in what organizations does FLAP work with to help workers? Yes, we have a very big networking in Illinois uh, providing services of 250, more than 215 organizations. In those organizations, we include um, law firms that are willing to review potential cases and partner with FLAP either as a straight referral case or co-consuling cases for discrimination, retaliation, workers' compensation, no payment of wages, illegal deductions, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then we partner with different libraries in every county that we serve to do knowledge race presentations, to be able to leave flyers for the workers to take home and to know about our services. We partner with other non-for-profit organizations and also with foundations. Uh, talking about other non-for-profit organizations, like I can mention Resurrection Project is one of our main partners because under the Access to Justice, we were able to do community hours and education all over Illinois. And then if we go, for example, to Lake County, we have different partners like Mano Mano, and we work with Arden Shore, and we work with many other, with ACES and many other organizations in Lake County. We go to McHenry County, we work with Community Heart Partnership of Illinois based in, in McHenry County, with Turning Point. And then we can go over every single county that we cover and we have uh, partners in those, in those um, um, areas also. On the legal side, do, do you file lawsuits as an organization or do you always refer those out to other law firms? <laughs> We do good things. When a worker who is not working in our industries, then we make the referral out to a, to a law firm. But we also monitor the case to be sure that the worker gets the help they need. Now, if a worker works in those industries, is calling us and has a violation, then we do, if the case is not big enough to file a, a, a lawsuit, then we will send a demand letter. Our attorney uh, will send a demand letter trying to resolve the potential case. And if the case is a 
a case that maybe we can do a class action and or maybe an individual case, then we try to partner with private law firms and do individual cases. So we go both ways. And besides that, we also make referrals to different social services, like people who like to learn English and people who like to um, take computer classes, people who are residents and we like to become a citizens and they need to take the, the exam to become citizen, et cetera, et cetera. Does FLAP also help with non-employment law issues? So for example, citizenship type issues, stuff like that? We don't do it in housing because our main mission is to do litigation community. But if somebody is coming to us and say, I'm a legal permanent resident and I have been in this country now for 10 years and I want to become a citizen, then we probably make the referral depending where the worker lives. So if the worker, for example, lives here in Chicago and is nearby Resurrection Project, we will make the referral to Resurrection Project from then to help him to become a citizen. If the worker lives in Lake County and Mano Mano has a citizenship classes or assets, then we will make the referral to them. If they live in Lake County, then in, I'm sorry, in DeKalb County, or they live in Will County, or they live in Joe Davis or in the South Side, so we will make the referral to the appropriated uh, organization, non-for-profit organization. We also have a very strong partnership with the Mexican consulate and work very closely with the Mexican consulate uh, to make social services referrals. And we bring the Mexican consulate to different counties all over Illinois to provide different services to the workers. At the beginning of this, you said Illinois was one of the worst states in terms of conditions for the workers you're helping. Can you elaborate a little bit on that as to what makes Illinois unique? It's not that one is one of the worst states, but it it's it, what I said is that the workers that we are helping are the workers who are getting more violations in the whole industry. So it's more likely that a farm worker will be abused at work that a worker who works in a factory, for example. In terms of Illinois, Illinois is good because we have a lot of resources and organizations helping, especially in, in Cook County and some counties in Northern Illinois. It's not the case in Central Illinois where we are lacking for many um, of those resources. So I will say that Illinois is much better in comparison with other states, like for example, Florida, that is more close and Illinois is more open-minded. However, we see a lot of violations here, a lot of uh, injuries at work, a lot of um, discrimination, a lot of no payment for wages, a lot of illegal deductions. In terms of workers' compensation, I will say that Illinois, for example, is a good state because you can choose the doctor where to go. In Indiana, for example, they will tell you what doctor you can go, that you cannot choose the doctor. So it's, Illinois it has some benefits, but the violations is right there. And when people is undocumented, it's kind of like invisible population that nobody wants to help. And, and now, thanks to the pandemic, those undocumented workers are called essential workers. So we like that. We like that people change their mind. And now it's no undocumented, it's more like essential workers. Like, thank you so very much. But we still have to do a lot of work to create more visibility in the community, to understand that thanks to those workers, we have food on our tables and we have many, many benefits that we won't have other ways. I think that brings us back to something we talked about a little bit earlier with outreach and, and communicating with the, tying it to what you just said about uh, communicating with the community. Can you talk about what sort of 
work FLAP does to do community outreach and also to educate maybe people who are not the population you're helping, but to educate them on why they need to take care of, of these vulnerable people and, and treat them better? Yes. So FLAP is a small organization and our work won't be possible without the support of foundations, individual donors, and partnering with other organizations and law firms, of course, including in those organizations that we partner with is the Mexican consulate. So we go to the Mexican consulate every day, Monday to Saturday from 8 a.m. to 1 p.m. And then we go back in the evenings from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. We also go on Sundays every other week. Once there, the Mexican consulate works similarly to the Secretary of State. The Mexicans go there to get a consular ID, to get a beer certificate, to get a passport, and to get the dual citizenship for their kids. When they are in the waiting area, similarly to the Secretary of State, when you are in the waiting area to get your driver license, when they are in the waiting area is when FLAP takes the opportunity to educate the workers and to let them know that you have rights. It doesn't matter what your immigration status is, you have rights. You have the right to be paid for overtime and minimum wage, and if you are getting illegal deductions, please talk to us. If you are discriminated at work, if you have an injury at work. And then our services are free, and we also provide financial assistance. So talk to us if you have needs because of COVID-19. At the Mexican consulate, we are allowed to have a table and then they go to our table after our presentations, like one to five minutes presentations. And then they go and they do consultations one-on-one. And it's when they tell us, I need an immigration attorney. I need a workers' compensation attorney. I have an injury at work. I'm not getting paid for overtime. And then our outreach uh, team that is not only staff, but also community navigators who are independent contractors of the organization, they refer the, the workers to the appropriated attorney. If it is a case that FLAP can take, it will be referred to our attorney, and then our attorney will send them a letter or will litigate the case along with a private law firm. That's, that's one thing. The other thing that we do is that we go to the streets in summer and we look out for the workers who are doing landscaping work. And we go to the restaurants and everywhere and we distribute flyers uh, that will tell you what your rights are at work. And we will go and do presentations, partner with other organizations and do community hours and education. One very important aspect of our mission is that we are doing what we call women's circles. And under the women's circles, we empower the Latino woman to stand up for their rights. We educate them about sexual harassment and human labor trafficking and human sex trafficking. And we gave them the tools how to stand up for their rights and to fight for them. Can you talk a little bit, you mentioned sex trafficking and human trafficking, and these are obviously horrible problems and horrible topics to, to have to discuss. Have these issues gotten worse? Can you talk about is the discrimination, we've talked about the pay issues, we've talked about the injury issues and the pandemic generally. Have the discrimination and trafficking issue, do you think they've gotten worse during the pandemic? Because you mentioned the phone calls have been getting much, much busier um, since March of 2020. So do you think things are getting better or worse in that way? Yes, unfortunately, human labor trafficking rates are rising and also discrimination is rising and legal issues are violations are raising. I want to make a clarification that not those 100 phone calls were for, for legal issues. It was more for financial assistance. 
But when we talk about the financial assistance, we also take the opportunity to ask the workers, were you injured at work in the last three years? Do you have any employment violations? Do you feel discriminated? What about sex trafficking and human labor trafficking? And it's when we discover that they may have cases. So I will say that from the 100 phone calls that we got, maybe two or three are related to legal violations. So to answer your question, the workers are brought from different countries to the United States, specifically to the Illinois. And they are brought here under probably H2B visa, H2A visa for agricultural work and for landscaping work. Once they are here, unfortunately, the, the company owner will take away their passport with the goal that they pay back for travel expenses and all the visa costs when it's an obligation of the employer to pay for those visa uh, expenses. But if they, the workers do not pay, they will tell the workers that we know where you live, we know where your family is, and you are in real travels and you have to pay back. So unfortunately, the worker ends working here, let's say nine months, and from those nine months, is only getting paid for six months because the other three months, they have to pay back for the travel and the expenses. The other situation that we identify is a young ladies coming from different countries, and bring brought to this country with the idea that you are going to work in a bar as a waitress and you are going to make $15 per hour. But once they are here, and we are talking about ladies of 12 years old, 15 years old, and once they are here, their passports are taken away, and then they are told now you have to work uh, as a pro- prostitution and, and sex trafficking because we need you to pay back and um, and with a $15 per hour, you never are going to pay back us. So we try to educate the community and do a lot of prevention in terms of human labor trafficking. And we partner with the Mexican consulate to do an intense work in that regard. And we also belong to different human labor trafficking tax forces in Illinois. When you talk about, you know, a group of vulnerable people, I mean, these are underage minors you're describing, right? Like this is not yeah, I, I I don't really have words. It's just, it's a really horrible, it's a really horrible. So we try not to dive too directly into politics in the podcast, but I don't think it's a secret and I don't think it's terribly controversial. The Trump administration was pretty direct, deliberately aggressive and uh, harsh on immigrant communities. Um, can you talk about the impact that the Trump administration's immigration and labor practices and policies had on the communities and populations that FLAP works with? Yes, during the Trump administration, it was very hard to sustain the organization. And we saw a lot of um, financial assistance grants and individual donations to go down because people were more like, I was told when I knocked doors, like, I need help to sustain this work and sustain our mission. I was told, for example, like, why we are going to support undocumented workers. They do not pay taxes and they don't contribute to our society in any way. So it was a it was like five times harder to educate people and to let them know like they do contribute. They do pay taxes. And we get unemployment thanks to them in part because they contribute to unemployment, but they never are going to get that money back. It's those who are citizens and residents who will get those benefits. And they do pay taxes. They do not have a social security number, but they have an IT number that is a special number created for them to pay the taxes. 
So during the, the administration of Trump, it was it was obviously undocumented workers were were a target and it, it made it really, really easy for for them and for organizations like us to accomplish our mission. We kind of see that the things change a little bit now with the new administration and people are more likely, and also thanks to the pandemic, that people are realizing how important is this group of essential workers that, again, are not called now undocumented workers, are called like essential workers. If Do you have any parting words or messages that you want to share with our listeners just generally? Yes, of course. My first message is for the workers, like no matter what your immigration status is, you have to stand up for your rights and you are not alone in this fight. There are organizations like FLAP that you can call, that you can approach, and we are here. Our mission is to help you. Our mission is to support you. For those who are individual donors and foundations, like please continue supporting our work. Please invest in organizations like FLAP. Because when you invest in organizations like FLAP, we are able to help this group of essential workers that at the end of the day is running the economy of the United States and in Illinois specifically. And those who are uh, attorneys and are supporting our work, please continue doing that because you make possible that we can help this specific group of people. If people want to get involved to help out FLAP in some way, whether as volunteers, uh, because they're bilingual and they can help in that way, because they are attorneys who provide services that FLAP needs, if they want to donate or anything else, how can somebody get involved to support the organization? So the easiest way is just to send an email to info at flapillinois.org info at flapillinois.org, but they can also call to our hotline that is 1-888-451-3527. It's 1-888-451-3527. And then we will score when return the phone call and respond to the email. And they can also check our website for job opportunities. We are actually advertising right now for, I think, six different jobs in need of finances person, community hours and education person, administrative assistant, and we are also looking for a development supervisor. And we'll we'll put the the FLAP website, that email address and phone number in the show notes. So people if somebody's listening to this in the car, please don't get in an accident. You can uh, you can check out the show notes later. Amit, you want to do your favorite part? Yeah, we do have one last bit we like to ask people. It's just a way to end these episodes on a positive note. So we ask you to do a shout out of the week. Just something, it can be a book, a TV show, a person, someone you want to promote because they've done something awesome. And we've had people shout out their pets, children, a book, everything. So it's an open-ended question. can be movies too, and just something positive. Yep. Something positive. Well... I can think of Latino Policy Forum is another non-for-profit organization who does an amazing work. And uh, yes, I will I will raise their profile. <laughs> Perfect. That's really nice. Is there anything, last question, I think you've shared how we can find you. Do you have anything you want to plug? Are there any events, um, anything upcoming that FLAP has going on that you want uh, people to be aware of? Events, uh, initiatives, projects, anything? 
just to reach out to us if they are interested in us to do a presentation about workers' rights, they can also look for us at the Mexican consulate. We are there every day. We travel all over Illinois also with the Mexican consulate, go to 19 counties and cover 27 counties in Illinois. Yeah, that's it. Well, I want to thank Alexandra Sosa for coming on. Um, Flap and you in particular, but but the organization as a whole do really incredible and important work for for some of our most vulnerable workers um, and families who don't always, as you described, get access to government assistance. Please keep up the good work. Thank you for making time for us and sharing sharing Flap's story with us. Thank you. Thank you so very much uh, for having me today and also for your interest in the work that we do to help these um, undocumented workers who are essential workers. Thank you. Our podcast is intended to provide general overviews of employment law. The statements and opinions provided in this podcast are just that, the host's opinions. We are not your attorney. This podcast does not create an attorney-client relationship, and it's not intended to provide specific legal advice. For legal questions, please consult with an attorney.